0: Having to play the card of like, this is my dad's funeral, and like I'm trying to sit with his family.
1: I really was in shock, very numb, and very much in like, this is just go time, just do and get things done. And I wasn't really connected to my emotions at all.
0: All eyes are on you, and that's an incredible, incredibly vulnerable state to be in. This is something that happened. And this is how it impacted me in that moment. Looking back, it's like, okay, that stuff really wasn't probably that big of a deal. But in the moment, it felt like much more impactful.
1: Everybody had a story about something he would say that just would make them die laughing. Hey, how's it going? Uh you know, it's going. <laughs> so we're back. And we're back. Uh, we're back. Clearly, for those who are watching versus just listening to us, we are not in the same location. Um, I live in California. Isaac, I live in, in Minnesota.
0: Min-
1: yep. And so uh, we're going to primarily be doing our podcast uh, remotely. But the first few episodes, he was in town and we wanted to do them in person to get the get it started. So Mm -hmm. curious though, what did you guys think about episode one and two? And we'd love to hear your comments. So, you know, comment on this episode or comment on the episodes before. Um if you're
0: if you're on YouTube and can comment.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I guess. Um, or any of the other platforms too. I think there's um what you can leave reviews and things like that. So Mm -hmm. if you have thoughts you always can reach us at our social media sites too. So like if you have suggestions or things that you really like or questions or things you're like, I want to know more about this. I mean, we're obviously gonna tell the story and there's some things that we purposefully hold back um to tell it in the order that it unfolded for us. Um, but if there's something like, Hey, you mentioned this and we want you to dig into that a little bit more, like let us know because we're gonna eventually put out bonus content and all sorts of good stuff and uh you know keep it moving that way so you guys yeah. know that all the platforms require some sort of uh you know interaction to help us out so give us the feedback
0: yeah yeah and it's uh it's i think it's interesting too how we obviously have very different aesthetics in in the places we live well, my style is quite a bit different than yours but which you'll see on the video, but, um, but yeah, so last time, uh, we kind of ended off where we were getting into, we were about to get into what the funeral itself was like, right? Yeah. So so let's talk about it. Yeah, the
1: funeral was pretty insane. Like, insane, obviously, because again, we were both just, I cannot believe that this is happening right now, and insane in the sense that it was amazing. To well, see let's it. the people who loved Eric,
0: right? Yeah. Let's um, real quick. I just kind of had a thought. Let's talk a little bit before we get into the funeral about kind of, um, you know, I I had mentioned previously that I started having like a lot of anxiety and panic attacks and that sort of thing, and I know you kind of were in that same boat, having to deal with all of the. Uh, logistics of everything as well, but also yeah. still while you're dealing with the grief. And um, I almost I had forgotten if... that we had gotten me into the doctor beforehand just to get something to get me through the mm-hmm. funeral.
1: Yeah. So and and me as well, although I, I ironically enough, I think I really was in my uh, my go to response when dealing with this type. of not just like death, but like any sort of like traumatic or, you know, intense situation is in that crisis manager mode. So I was, I really was in shock, very numb and very much in like, this is just go time, just do and get things done. And I wasn't really connected to my emotions at all. And we'll get more into like, when that hit me, um, because it was very different timing for you and I, Mm -hmm. um, which also affected and made it challenging, I think, for you. Um, But we'll talk about that later. So I did, um, I already had had issues with panic attacks in the past. Um, So uh, I have, you know, uh, taken uh, anti-anxiety medications in the past um, for panic attacks. I had not had a panic attack for a few years prior to Eric dying. I had been working pretty intensely um, in a specialized type of therapy um, and was feeling really, really good, actually. So I was really frustrated that now I was dealing with this again. Um, However, I didn't have... um, A lot of anxiety that I would say those first um, few weeks for sure. uh, Mm -hmm. It was a lot of very much numb for me, but it was completely different for you. So, you know, talk talk to us about like you talked about it a little bit in the last episode and we did. I did feel like you need to go to the doctor like this funeral is going to be intense. So let's talk about that part. Well. It
0: was also interesting for you, too, because I think you just very much went into like crisis mode, damage, damage control, you know, and you've always kind of been that character in your family as well, where you've Mm -hmm. always had to just be the strong one who gets things done because um, because no one else kind of no one else would step up to that plate. And I I think that in the years following, I've kind of um, picked up that trait you know, Mm -hmm. after dealing with this kind of major crisis, I've in a lot of other areas of my life become kind of the crisis manager for friends and family. And, um, you know, even
1: like, I I think you kind of learn that in our job. It's a natural part of being an emergency room nurse. got to be careful to balance that, though, because it's not the most fun role to be stuck in all the time.
0: Right. But yeah, I mean, I, I had mentioned it even like way back in the intro episode about how after he died like this was i think i had one panic attack when i was like 10 years old and that was um and i remember that very clearly because uh it a bunch of my cousins had come to live with us and like you know it was a very big change but also it was one of those things where like being a 10 year old um And being an only child, I was very used to like having my own space. And then all of a sudden Mm -hmm. kids who, quite frankly, like I didn't grow up with my cousins. I didn't really grow up hanging around them that much um, in general. And then all of a sudden have these kids, which I essentially didn't really know very well, suddenly in my space and messing with Mm -hmm. my things and like, you know, breaking a lot of my stuff. And um, I think that was kind of my first moment of being too overwhelmed but um which yeah again,
1: that was an, it's a side story but i was it was an eye opener for me too um you know i think your dad and i had to uh because we recognized that's what was happening and and i think you also felt like you had to be a certain way with them mm-hmm. when they were here uh or when they were living with us and so Um, we had to kind of give you permission to just like, you know, you can keep doing your own thing, but Mm -hmm. totally not related. So, (laughs) right. Sorry. But well, I mean, I was just explaining, I've Mm -hmm.
0: never, I had never really understood what that felt like. Cause even in that moment as a 10 year old, I like, I didn't know what that was until it happened again. When I, you know, during this, during this event, when my dad died, I started having them pretty much every day, multiple times a day it especially um i think it especially started when we had a lot of people around because it got so overwhelming that this was real like i'm actually going through this right now you know Mm -hmm. and like um i remember having a lot of moments where i couldn't breathe and my heart rate was i could feel my heart pounding out of my chest and like i was kind of doing doing this with my hands like squeezing them and trying to figure out some way to soothe myself and i just couldn't and you know, um, and I remember you were like, "We need to go to the doctor," and that was the first time I think in my entire life that I was like, "Yes, I need something to help me get through these emotions and deal with them properly." And like, I've always kind of had, you know, difficulties with anxiety and and overthinking and like being a little bit of a, a worry wart in general, uh, yeah. which I think I took after my dad, but. Yeah, your dad was
1: uh, known as a worry wart from a very young age, which contributed to some of the challenges that he had before his death. Mm-hmm. But, mm-hmm. Uh,
0: um, but I remember, I remember going to the doctor and like trying to explain how I was feeling. And it's one of those things where I think even in that moment, like this was kind of my first interaction with going to a doctor or a professional to help with mental health type issues or anxiety depression anything like that
1: Mm -hmm. and
0: I think for a lot of people kind of go through that experience of um downplaying how they're feeling or like downplaying what's actually going on behind the scenes or or um because they think that maybe it's not quite valid or they're they're um playing it up in their head or being dramatic um Mm -hmm. and I think it's important just in general what i've learned over the years and and you know doing bouts of things like therapy or or talking to psychiatrists doctors and all that stuff about help for that sort of thing is to be incredibly and like brutally honest mm-hmm. about just how overwhelming those feelings can be because if you're not that's this is often why like you know speaking from a medical perspective this is often why people are prescribed um, certain medications that don't work very well for them. And it's because they're not actually honest about how they're feeling. And if you're not truly brutally honest about what's going on, the doctor's going to get a different idea uh, as to what you need. Um, and I think this was kind of my first experience with that because my feelings were so incredibly intense, but I think I kind of, I wasn't being 17. I wasn't really aware how to, how to be, how to express the need that I needed for something. And mm-hmm. so they gave me um, fairly, like, very mild anti-anxiety yeah. meds. I think well, just, it was hydroxyzine.
1: Yeah, yeah, I mean, you're a teenager, so they're not mm-hmm. going to give you a benzo or, like, a Xanax or Valium or that sort of thing, typically. Obviously. I think that they might have if they had understood how intense it was. But, yeah, I mean, they're going to start with something mild.
0: And, like, and like, they, they kind of would take I, – I remember – um that kind of situational anxiety med it would it would kind of like take the edge off but it wasn't nearly enough to like prevent any of the panic attacks or like any of the um kind of debilitating anxiety in those moments which you know there there might be something to be said about um allowing yourself to feel those emotions in order to heal from them which i think is also very valid but in certain cases, you know, especially in this, like, I didn't even think I was going to be able to go to the funeral, which I knew I needed mm-hmm. to because I would never forgive myself if I didn't. But, mm-hmm. like, that was kind of the level that I was at is I didn't even think I would be able to walk through the doors. And well, I think obvi- there's
1: it's interesting because of the funeral part of it. or And we call it a memorial in, in our faith. But you know that you're going to be the center of attention. Mm-hmm. All of these people are going to be watching you. They're going to be yeah. watching your reactions. So there's an added pressure to that. Um, and you're already like not sure if you can handle it. Mm-hmm.
0: Right. And uh, yeah. And so like I had I had those medications and they helped kind of take the edge off. But it, it in those moments of of having that level of like being so overwhelmed, um. You know, it never really quite felt like enough, which, you know, sometimes in those situations, you just have to have to work through it and allow yourself to feel those things and, uh, you know, allow yourself to to break down in front of people and whatnot. But that's also a very scary and vulnerable place to be in. It feels very, very uncomfortable um, to even in a situation where you have every right to be, you know, not OK. you know my dad just died we're going to his funeral i have every right to to break down and have panic attacks and and like be have debilitating emotions Mm -hmm. um but it feels so uncomfortable because like you said all eyes are on you and that's an incredible incredibly vulnerable state to be in um uh and then it sparks a lot of fear in within yourself because I don't know if it's a fear of rejection or a fear that your emotions aren't valid or any of those things, but having all of those eyes on you and seeing you in your most vulnerable state is can be very terrifying. And that's it's often... a fear of
1: loss. It's a fear of loss of control.
0: Yeah. Is really what it is. Anxiety
1: yeah. is, a, is and, it, it has to do with control.
0: And I think judgment, which again, seems a little bit absurd because it's like again in a funeral or in a case like that you have every right to be not okay you should not be okay um quite frankly but but it still feels like when you have all those eyes on you it still feels like you might be judged for you know for losing control 100
1: percent, people judge and they can they'll judge the other direction too it's not with ill intention either. I mean, we're human beings. It's just how we operate, right? But you you know, um there's judgment the other way of. I was so numb and so in shock and again, this person i have been with for a very long time. Everyone knew how incredibly close we were and I was numb and had and I do go into like a lockdown with my emotions. Um, and so a hundred percent I'm sure there were people that came to that memorial service and went, well, she doesn't seem like she's upset enough about that. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, we'll get more into that. When it talk when you talk about like the anxiety too, with the things that um I don't think I really mentioned earlier um that were really very stark. Things in my memory from this period of time that I will never ever forget. Those images in my head is um, the two. You know, you talked about. You know, you. We were both devastated. Uh, I had obviously, and so had your dad. Very much worked hard to ensure that you <laughs> weren't exposed to devastating things, you know, on a regular basis. So you didn't have a lot of things that had devastated your life. There's one moment when your great grandpa died, who you were super close to. Never forget that. Literally you, 14, lying across his body in the hospital, sobbing, because that was your first experience losing somebody. And then You know, we talked a little bit about, like, when you heard the word autopsy on the phone and realized he's dead, and I will never forget the look on your face. So, like, I'm listening to this guy, the sergeant, tell me things, which obviously I don't remember, um, about, like, logistical stuff, and all I'm seeing is you just completely crumble And like drop onto the stairs and fall apart. And I'm on the phone and I have to like finish getting this information. And it was such a helpless feeling because I couldn't take it away from you. I couldn't help you in that moment. And then the other very stark memory for me was the viewing, which we talked about in the last episode there's this moment after everybody else had come in and we were still viewing. And this was, um, I think, kind of in the beginning part of when everyone was starting to view. And I don't know, there's like this somber mood and you're just kind of sitting with the heavy weight of it. And, you know, you kind of had walked up to your dad again and you were standing in front of him. And looking at him, and I remember, I don't know, I was standing, there's like chairs, um, and it creates like an aisle, kind of Mm -hmm. like when you're at a wedding, which is really weird. Um, I was standing in the aisle, talking to somebody, I don't know who it was, so someone was standing next to me, and I just remember you turning around, and this look of complete devastation on your face, and it's a look I've never seen I never have seen on your face. Um, I never saw it before that. And I'd never seen it since. It was just this complete look of devastation. So, you know, to say that you were having very intense feelings is an understatement because it was I could see it and I could feel it from you.
0: Well, and I think I've always, you know, people who know me, I've always been somebody who has very intense feelings in general. Like I'm a feeler. I, um, you know, I have very strong feelings of, like, love and care for the people that I care for and um, just in general. And, like, I've learned over the years how to be more in control of my emotions in general, but I also recognize the importance of, like, like I said, allowing yourself to feel things and allowing yourself to um, to be okay with intense, more intense emotion. Um, which again, I've learned a lot more since those events, the, um, but even as like a child, I think you always kind of knew that like, I have always had very intense, like a very intense love for people that I'm mm-hmm. around and like my friends and my family and all of that stuff, I think generally demonstrated by my reactions to loss. Right. Yeah. Um,
1: yeah. I but think we you yeah just, this was like get into the oh go ahead i was gonna say we should really get into like the actual funeral because again not to like discount the things we're talking about they're important but um yeah i'm sure people are waiting to hear like, what happened at this this memorial service funeral service <laughs>
0: <laughs> well so so first and foremost, like we didn't really take what much you... part in organizing the funeral um, that is true we luckily had a very great support system you know through our congregation uh, Yep, our um, faith who, uh, they just took, took over yeah. yeah they stepped up they took over they they basically made all the plans they um you know they they made the plans for the uh, i forget what it's called but like the after event where we eat food and like sit yeah. in his memory it's and, just a, uh, it's, or, like a I don't
1: know, it's like an after event i don't even know what they call it yeah
0: yeah i don't remember but you know they a lot of people came in and made food for that whole event and everything too, but like we didn't have to do any of the planning pretty much um I do remember asking one of the people from our congregation to do the the memorial service for us mm-hmm. um you know and he he gave a great he did an um, amazing service guy. he did really great um but I think the thing that I remember most is just knowing that. You know, I remember getting dressed up that day and thinking to myself, like, how am I going to how am I going to face this? Like, I have no idea. I don't I, I was already imagining myself, you know, walking through the doors. And I knew I just knew that there was no way I was going to be able to keep it together whatsoever. Um, and so and then I remember pulling up into the parking lot. I remember being dropped off at the doors and stepping out of the car. And we were actually. We were
1: the last we people were, there.
0: <laughs> we were running late. Um, to we, we were the last people there. We were running mm-hmm. late. And so, of course, like we walk in the door and it's all so, eyes on us.
1: Yes. And let's back up for a second Um, just before we get to the like walking in part. So for me, again, I'm still very numb very much in shock very much like help, help no i didn't we didn't have to do anything but of course like there's still logistical things so like finding a picture finding um uh a, like i think we had to put together some or i needed to give them some sort of like pictures for a picture board or something like that um oh yeah and, I, almost,
0: I almost completely forgot about that whole process the week prior of like having to mm-hmm. go through hundreds and hundreds of pictures and looking at my dad and like Mm
1: -hmm. oh man i
0: completely forgot about that whole part
1: yeah and then also like figuring out which so we they have a huge picture of him when you walk in the door um if his memorial service and so trying to figure out like which picture do we want to put there that's like just the essence of who he is right because The one thing about your dad is he hated taking pictures like he I was actually very shocked at how many pictures and we still only have like a small handful of videos of your dad. But even those like I'm shocked that we have them because your dad was so anti photo like he hated getting his picture taken. And so I think I was
0: sorry, I think part of that, too, is like with his kind of social anxiety he, he
1: which we didn't know about necessarily
0: and he he was a photogenic person in a lot of ways but he never if thought he, he did so he just yeah but he just felt like every time we would take a picture he always felt so awkward and he would clamp up and he would like almost frown because
1: he didn't yeah. he didn't know
0: how to smile in a way that seemed genuine so he just like didn't do it in a picture like he had a great smile and we have like a few pictures more candid pictures you had of to him catch him,
1: like where he wasn't right
0: yeah but but if you look at him trying to smile like it just it it looks so forced and bad because mm-hmm. he just i think he always felt so awkward so he just yeah. would always
1: he'd he'd look at the camera and go you know frown and, <laughs> and like i know yeah yeah he always looked like he was cranky <laughs>
0: <laughs> which he wasn't because um, we'd all be laughing and whatever and then you pull out the camera and you'd be like
1: yeah and he, immediately yeah, hated, start frowning. he hated taking this picture um maybe if he had known you know what was in store he would have been a little bit more willing with that um because i don't think so <laughs> probably not but <laughs> he was so stubborn you, in some ways he was so stubborn but those photos i mean the one thing i will say that has changed since he died um and i've always been a person that takes photos uh to a certain extent in video and a little bit um but uh I've never been a huge fan of like posed photos. I'll do them um, mm-hmm. occasionally. We would get occasional family pictures like done professionally. Um and uh but I really, really, really am drawn to candid photos. And that became even more clear after he died because the photos that I look at that bring me the most joy are the candid moments that we caught mm-hmm. on camera that weren't posed because the posed ones I don't remember what was happening in that moment. The posed ones mm-hmm. are we sat and posed for a photo, even like mm-hmm. if we were doing something like some sort of event together and we all just posed together, it's like, oh yeah, we were at that event, but like when you catch candid moments, it vividly brings those memories back, and now I know that. Like you and when your cousin lived with us um, after your dad died for a little while, she, you guys would get really super annoyed with me when we'd be on trips and I'd be like, but I want another picture or I want this video. Or I'd be like catching things like when you guys weren't planning, like aware of it. But it was such a big deal because they, they just, you don't realize how important they are until you don't have that person anymore. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And I kind of I, I remember in those moments of like, I would always get really annoyed with you because because it always felt so forced in the ways that like a lot of times you'd be like, all right, now let's take a picture when we're in the middle of doing something fun. And it's like, OK, now we have to stop what we're doing and like pose for a picture. And um which well, not, I've come around not, on because. Yeah in i've come around on because like i recognize the importance of that stuff a lot more now but um yeah. i think also just being a teenager and like like <laughs> i think i would have been a lot more okay with more candid pictures all the time but it was it was
1: no that was, it was the moments the where i was like no that was actually the problem is i would just take pictures and you guys would get upset because you're like we didn't pose for those or like i look like crap in that picture or whatever and I didn't care about that. I just wanted to capture the moment. And then it'd be like, okay, well, let's take a picture then together. And then you guys would be annoyed because then we had to stop and like pose for a picture. Cause <laughs> I caught candid pictures all the time and I have some really fun little videos, but those were the things you got the most annoyed with me about. Um, even though I explained to you like my desire and why I felt compelled to have them, but again, off track, off topic. <laughs> a little bit um back to the funeral yeah sorry what do you remember that that morning i remember also feeling a big like a lot of dread um and i felt a lot of i felt a lot of pressure around the I, I definitely knew that I was going to be judged. Um, and this is just because of the family environment that I grew up in, the dynamics of my family and some of my extended family. Um, I knew that there was going to be judgment either way. And I also knew that because I had a tendency to go into this like crisis manager mode, and lock down my emotions, and be very private with my emotions, which have changed a lot since her dad has died. Um, but at that time, that was the mode I operated in. Um, I just, I, I had a lot of dread around knowing that I was pretty sure that I was not going to have much of a reaction at the funeral, and that, and not that anyone would ever say anything to me. I do know that, um, it, it's not like I was worried, but I just you know you know in the back of your head that like there are people being like oh well like she didn't even cry at the funeral i felt dread that like just and it's not that i thought that anybody was ever gonna like come up to me and be like oh my goodness i can't believe you were not upset at your husband's memorial service or funeral or whatever it's just this subconscious knowing of like i know these people that are going to be here um the ones and now i don't care like i you know it's a whole nother topic um you know i'm pretty disconnected from my family but um but at the time uh i do remember feeling dread um there were also going to be a lot of of my family members that i didn't talk to um for re- you know various regions i've been pretty much no contact with my mom for at least a good 10 years um maybe like extremely minimal contact. Um basic tax exchange, I honestly didn't really initiate them very very rarely if I had a question about anything um so 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 if I, I'm hearing you sorry oh. eh.
0: if I'm hearing you right, so what, what you're uh a lot of the dread that you were feeling from that day was was from facing your family and people that you felt like we're going to judge you for the situation and not necessarily like the event itself, which is interesting.
1: Yeah. And you know, my family dynamic, which (laughs) I'm sure we'll have an episode about it at some point in the future because it's an interesting thing. Um, But I don't necessarily personally feel, and I'm not going to say that that's, necessarily their intention because I can't speak for them. But based on my experiences growing up, um I don't feel like all of my family's intention in coming to the memorial service was genuine. If that makes sense.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean it's hard to, you know, it's hard to tell exactly what somebody's intentions right. are in that face. And and like, and, you know, generally, especially in that case, because it's like, you know, your family better than better than, you know, <laughs> anybody else uh, outside of this, but um, well, I know my experience. It, and right. So, yeah.
1: Know, it, it's not. Again, like I said, it's not that I, I discount that they maybe thought that they had or that their intentions were good but also i i know what i've experienced and i know how they behave <laughs>
0: so well and and I, uh, and i think i think to given given how he died and given the suspicions that we had of how he died i think a, i think you were especially worried of judgment because and 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 again we haven't really fully uh, gone into the, all of the results of the autopsy and, and exactly what our theory well, we didn't is and how we died either. and we didn't know yet but we had we had suspicions and we had like our idea of what it was and i think part of that fear for you was you know you felt like you were going to be judged um that like oh look at her you know her perfect little life isn't so perfect after all kind of deal um
1: and I've never claimed my life to be perfect. That's been the problem. <laughs> right. So
0: right. um yes. Yeah, so I have. And that question. and that that was that was a fear that you had, which you know, again, given from from the experiences you had with with certain people,
1: it wasn't a fear. It was a it was a knowledge that that was going to be going through some people's minds. It was it wasn't a fear. I knew that when you know someone and you've grown up in a certain environment, you just know how things are. So it wasn't a fear. It was just a dread of having to deal with it and hoping that I didn't have to deal with it in any sort of like extended way. Um, So I have a little dread going into it. I also, so one of the amazing things um, that really just, I think blew my mind. I don't know how you felt about it, but, there were, I think they counted about 300 people at your dad's memorial. And um, that's a was lot of over attention. Over, yeah. <laughs> that's cool. a lot of attention and a lot of people. Um, and we knew that there were going to be, you know, a decent amount of people there. Where we had the funeral could
0: barely fit everyone. Yeah. That was how many people showed up.
1: Um, I, I know the count came out like right around 300 and um and it in one hand i was so incredibly thankful and grateful because your dad was so loved and i wish he would have known that about himself like he had people that flew in from other states
0: yeah from 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 his work he had people come in because he traveled a lot for work and he um you know, he went to Pittsburgh, and you know, places in Canada, and Iowa, and like Illinois, and all of these different places. Uh, North Dakota, West Coast, and he had East Coast. yeah, and he had people fly in from. I think well, I know he had people from Pittsburgh. I think he had people from like San Francisco fly in. Uh, um, yeah, there or was somewhere in California, at
1: Washington, West Coast. There was yeah, uh, I mean, there was people and so like from quite a ways away.
0: Right, and and. Not just, you know, it it was an amazing sight and it felt there was that aspect of it that it felt very, we felt very supported as well because there were yeah. so many people that were that, that loved him and that loved us subsequently.
1: Yeah. Um, so going to that point of walking in the door. So we literally are the last people walking into the memorial. And the goal was to get there before everyone else got there. because So that I not everyone that. was staring at us. <laughs> right. Um, But I'm habitually late in general. I have, you know, challenges with that. And then um, on top of it, it's just (laughs) you know, (laughs) everything, I don't know, it's just, I feel like on those types, in those types of situations, it feels like everything that could go wrong goes wrong. Um, I remember feeling really like a high sense of I need to have like a new dress and a like a specific outfit for this service, which I'm never gonna wear it again. Like I never wore that again. I thought maybe I would, because we dress up for our um, you know, religious services. And so I was like, oh, you know, I'll buy a new dress. <laughs> I can wear it again in the future. I'm not putting that back on. I never put that no. back on. I never no. I never wore that again. Um, but yeah, so for me walking in the door uh it was a little awkward because we were the last people walking in and we were sitting right in the front row
0: yeah <laughs> so for had... some reason i don't know if it was planned that way or like it, is if always, it was just because we we're the last one no it's
1: always planned that way yeah Every, it family was... always sits in the front
0: right and so i think the the one thing that i remember for some reason uh that I remember the most about walking into the funeral was I remember walking through the doors and there was this uh guy that like I was maybe acquaintances with you know Mm. like we had mutual friends but like I never hung out with him ever outside of when my friends invited him somewhere or you know I was invited, you know it it wasn't like we had any sort of relationship but I think just given the news and given the kind of tragedy of the situation um I remember walking in and like he was standing near the door and we made eye contact and it was it was weird seeing the look of like pity in his eyes but not in a bad context like like um I think people pity tends to have like a negative connotation I mm-hmm. guess but but like the look of like compassion and um and like sadness on my part for me Mm because he didn't he never had even met my dad but he was there for us he was there for me yeah um and and, a lot of people were right and seeing seeing that was a very weird moment for me um because i was already like breaking down as i was walking in the door Mm -hmm. and then seeing some seeing somebody that i didn't really know that well again looking at me in that in such a vulnerable state Mm -hmm. it kind of made me realize and i kind of wanted to touch on this in general of like Looking back, you know, among my friends and among kind of our congregation and like even, you know, kind of surrounding communities, like all these different communities, like that was. It's weird to say it, but but the whole event of my dad dying was a tragedy, like like in the most deep sense of the word, a teenage Mm -hmm. kid losing his father very suddenly, no real knowledge of actually what happened he just was up and dead you know and yeah and like thinking about it from that context of like you know you hear about those sorts of events and you're like oh that's a tragedy but being being the one that it happens to and then actually saying that feels so weird because it's just at this point like it's just my life that's what happened to me but like using that word It just it seems so weird. And I think that was kind of the moment that I realized what it was in other people's eyes of like, this kid just lost his dad in a very traumatic way. You know, this family is broken. And that was like the big tragedy in our community for that whole period of my life. And Mm -hmm. being on the receiving end of that was a very odd feeling, you know?
1: Yeah, it's very eye opening. You start to have a lot of compassion, and you always think, I don't know, I mean, I would categorize both you and I as fairly compassionate and empathetic people, but I will say that this experience of, of losing your dad has made me more compassionate and more empathetic in ways yeah. that, that I thought I was before, but,
0: it's you different know, when you're
1: going through it, yeah you realize all the ways that maybe you need to be a little bit more.
0: Um, and I don't, I don't even remember. So I remember sitting down. I don't even remember the actual talk. I, don't, I, I barely remember anything that was actually said.
1: I don't either. The only thing I do remember is that the person who gave the memorial service talk for um, your dad did an amazing job. Mm -hmm. One of the best memorial funeral service talks I have ever been to. Mm -hmm. And so many people who had been at his service had also commented, regardless of their faith, whether they were our faith or of a different faith, that it was one of the best funeral talks that they had ever been to. And so part of me wishes that I had recorded it. Because I don't remember it either. I have no idea. Um, The one thing I was genuinely thankful for is that we were very involved in our congregation. And so the people um, there from our congregation, plus the person who gave his um, memorial service talk, knew him. They knew him. And so they were able to give it. Uh, from personal experience, which was, it was a really nice and comforting thing. Uh, it wasn't yeah. generic, um, and there was genuine feeling and love, and genuine like loss, you know, for others as well.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I think I do remember the entirety of. I remember listening very intently because I didn't know what else to do. I don't remember much of what he said, but I remember most of what he said, you know, made me even more, you know, emotional and breakdown. Like, I, mm-hmm. I couldn't keep it together whatsoever. Um, And, and then I also remember having kind of a moment where I got lost in my own thoughts Um, of like, what comes next? Like, what do I do? Yeah. From, like, I don't know how to, I don't know what I'm supposed to do at yeah. this point. Like, I don't know what the next few months of my life look like. The rest of my, the rest of the prospects of my life, now look completely different because mm-hmm. one of the most important people that has been there for me my entire life is now not gonna be. Yeah. Um, and say, I, I'm sure you felt similar,
1: but I yeah I it was interesting too. There's some of the things that really stand out for me as I can remember being sitting like ramrod straight. So because again, we're in the front row in the middle, and I'm very thankful we had the closest people to us sitting next to us there, like our ride or dies, the people in our family who, you know, were really close to us, um, in that row, you know, they ask they ask you, like, who do you want us to save these seats for? Um, and so we had the people around us that really we needed around us. But I do remember distinctly being very aware of the fact that there were like 300 people in this place. And as much as they were also grieving and paying attention to the service, they were also watching us. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So it was a very, I just remember not being able to relax. I remember um, I did take, you know, anti-anxiety meds. I, I wasn't sure if I would have a panic attack or not. Um, I didn't but I just remember being very stiff and rim rod straight and like not able to relax and so of course like that doesn't make for a comfortable time um, mm-hmm. and then the other thing that really was interesting and stood out to me um, is my best friend who we had talked about in another episode um, who is literally family like she has been in my life for 20 years at least um and her kids have been a part of our lives since they were born and um the oldest is seven years younger than you it's like little brother right and he Mm -hmm. was sitting next to me and i think he was sitting next to you so was like or like in between us i don't remember i
0: just remember you, you and you and i sat next to each other and then i think
1: on the other side of me was my best friend at the time but he was by us so he maybe maybe Mm -hmm. my maybe he was sitting next to his mom and she was sitting next to me obviously and um he's oh gosh i don't even know how old he would he would have been like 10 at the time or 11
0: yeah yeah
1: um Mm -hmm. and you know we had moved away at that like we moved away when he was probably like seven seven we had we had moved a couple hours away so like we didn't actually maybe even younger than that yeah we used to like we used to live literally two miles apart from them so like we were we were involved in each other's lives all the time and Mm -hmm. you know at that age when you're a kid it's like you do remember people but like you don't remember people in the same sense and so those kids were very close to eric but also in the last few years prior to his death they hadn't seen him as much, and they were still fairly young. And I just remember, even my best friend, she was so surprised, even herself, because again, like he's, you know, probably like seven, ten, I don't know, something like that. And um, and he just he started sobbing, and that was something that was really impactful, um, and something that stands out to me. And I, I well think the, also, those
0: kids those kids loved my dad. I remember, like, like, and a lot of, uh, it was always interesting, you know, just a side point about him. Adults always felt very wary about him because they could never really get a read on, like, whether he liked them or not, and I think a lot of that was just his social anxiety. Like, he didn't, Mm -hmm. he didn't, he was never, like, a warm person off the bat, but once he got to know you or you got to know him, like, everyone was like, oh, I love that guy. Yeah. Um, But
1: Kids loved him immediately.
0: Always, yeah, kids always loved him and like would gravitate towards him. We'd be at any event and all the all the little cousins, all of the little kids would like gravitate to him and play with him and like want to be around him and just you just hear giggles coming from his direction all the time because he would play with them and he would, you know, even it was always weird because even you know, he was a big guy. He was he was fairly you know a a big guy and he was usually pretty scruffy and like um but little kids always like were never afraid of him they were never like you know put off by him or wary of him they always wanted to just like go jump on him and be around him i think that was part of that is those kids um would hang out with him like whenever we were over at their house or whatever Mm -hmm. he would play with them and interact with them and um and or when they came over to our our house, you know same thing, yeah, they would always the little girl in that family as well she always would gravitate towards him and and talk to him and and uh you know play with him and whatever,
1: yeah, I think and we're gonna in the next episode, we're gonna tell you more about Eric so that mm-hmm. we can get to know him and the way that we knew him and um as we continue this saga, it'll start mm-hmm. to make more sense, but um, I do think that also the reason um the little boy was crying is because he was so close to you too and he saw Uh you completely falling apart and i and we're still very close oh absolutely and i i think he just it broke his heart (laughs) to see you someone who he viewed as an older brother i mean you're seven years older than him so um Mm -hmm. you know I think it really hit him. Like, oh my goodness, this is like a real thing. And Mm -hmm. this person I care about um, not only is gone, but the person I care about outside of that is like really hurting. So, those are kind of the things that stood out for me. The other thing that really stood out for me in the service, um, besides it being like a really amazing service, even though I don't remember it, (laughs) um, is the fact that I literally had to give. 300 hugs that day i have never (laughs) (laughs) never had to give so many hugs in my entire life and of course i appreciated them so much i mean i at that point was taking every ounce of love that anyone was willing to give me and comfort because i needed it even though it didn't maybe always seem like it maybe on the outside but I desperately needed it. But, you know, you you have this sort of like receiving line, I guess, kind of where people want to come up and like give you. Yeah, their- there was a, there was there
0: were lines like going down down the uh, aisles of just people like lining up to come talk to us and give us hugs and stuff. They want to give you. Which like,
1: was yeah, very weird. Yeah, it was very
0: weird, but it also like you kind of just need to soak up the love. And like, it was it very comforting your heart. to know. It does. Yeah, it was very comforting to know that we had all those people like in our court a little bit.
1: Yeah, so I can say like in within a very short period of time, I have given 300 people a hug. <laughs> like in in like, probably it probably took like 20 minutes, but I gave 300 people a hug. Or they gave me a hug. I guess would be the better way to put it. Um, yeah. So that's another thing that I think is kind of funny about that because mm-hmm. I've never been. I don't think I've been hugged that much my entire life.
0: <laughs> yeah, that never <laughs> would have
1: happened post COVID, right?
0: <laughs> right? Right. Oh my goodness. Just, um. So then after the funeral, we they had like a little, um. You know, get together, eat food, Which look at pictures common. of my dad. For, and for I don't. Most- I don't. I don't most, know what that's called. I forget what that's called. but
1: It's like a lunch. Just like luncheon. the, the dinner. Like, it, yeah. It's a post-funeral luncheon, typically. I think for most faiths, that's pretty common to have some sort of time to break bread and um, connect with everyone who is grieving the loss. Um, I do remember there not being enough seating for everyone in the space. The one thing that was a little bit disappointed on i'm gonna say is we had had the corner with the with the photos for people to look at and i had put a box there and had with a request because if you i know you know this about your dad but your dad had the funniest one-liners and like or like sayings or like oh he was he was a professional dad oh my gosh yeah, he was so professional like... and
0: making dad jokes <laughs> and like, you know, just saying stay, off the cuff, you know, out of pocket stuff. And he, and he would, um, and it was always like under his breath to where if you weren't paying attention and didn't catch mm-hmm. it, like it would just go right over you. But, but most of the time it was, you know, hilarious. And a lot of, you know, a lot of my sense of humor comes from him.
1: Oh, for sure. And the thing, and it's the one thing that I, I love that you inherited from him. Um, uh, But it was the one thing that everyone else really loved about him, too. And everybody had a story about something he would say that just would make them die laughing. Um, And I wanted those stories. I wanted those stories from people because I, even to this day, cannot remember outside of a couple of things the stuff he used to say and maybe Mm -hmm. it'll come back. I know that like for our, for my grandma, your great grandma, I think she was on year seven when she said like the memories really started coming back for her. Um, so I hope, and I pray that that is true, but like, Mm -hmm. I don't remember those things. And it's not like, it's not like I kept a log of the Mm -hmm. funny things your dad said. And so I just remember having like a box uh on that table with the pictures with a little note that said like share the funniest story or like your funny memory of eric and there were like two people that left one Mm -hmm. i kept them i took i mean i didn't keep the actual notes i took pictures of them because i would just Mm -hmm. lose the notes but i kept those i cherished them i wish more people would have done it that was the one thing i was a little bit disappointed about yeah and i think like I have, I remember a
0: lot of the types of things that he would say. Well, a lot of the types of things that he would say that I do remember, I should say, are things that I picked up on and started saying myself. And right. so, like, you know, and so that's kind of the the bigger thing is like, yeah. I, I have I picked up a lot of those mannerisms and a lot of those like little one liners and out of pocket yeah. type yeah stuff to say. But um, it was the but even still, there's. I wanted.
1: Yeah, there's the so much. Yeah,
0: there's so much more that he said that like I just don't, I don't remember, and I wish that I did. I wish I had record of them. And those are like yeah. kind of the little, those are always like the little quirks and little idiosyncrasies that you start that you love about somebody. Is there mm-hmm. is the just the little things that you never really take as much note of, you know? You don't really write you them down. You take it for granted. <laughs> yeah, <laughs>
1: because you exactly. don't expect that they're going to be gone. Right. So not the uh, notes to self everyone like mm-hmm. if there are things that you really genuinely appreciate about someone like make a note about it because you never know when you'll want that reflection
0: well and with that thing it was a really you know beautiful service memorial service and the after the luncheon thing was was great too people a lot of people came together for us and there
1: was a little made homemade
0: of- made homemade food i don't remember what are you
1: referring to here um so as there wasn't a lot of seating because there were way more people than we expected to show up so the place that we had the food afterwards um there wasn't enough like tables and seats for people to sit down and um we obviously had gone through the food line at everyone brought food like the, the people that coordinated it the food was amazing um but we sat down and have food well of course as we get there so again we had to hug 300 people so everyone left and they're already And i believe the place that we had the, the after the luncheon at was like a good 20 minutes away and so we're the last people to leave because we had to hug everyone and then we get going so we're the last people to arrive to this luncheon um So we're getting our food. And of course, it's not like we get to get food right away and go sit down. Like there's everyone wants to talk to you. They want to talk to you. They want to hug you. They want to ask you what happened, like all this stuff. So then we finally get food and, you know, you're kind of exhausted this time. Again, you're also soaking up the support. So don't get me wrong. Like you're there's an appreciation that comes with that. But it is exhausting because you're on. You have to be on. You're on. You're 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 also giving energy to people and um there were no seats <laughs> available for you and I to sit down. There were a couple of seats available by um the people that Well no, there were a, like a little a few seats that were open by the people that you and I would have sat by. It was Eric's family, um our grandma, you know, etc. and you go to sit down and then i think i came a little bit after because you told me about this um but it was my mom and her new husband apparently had saved their seats there with her purse under the table so like nobody knew that somebody was quote unquote sitting at those seats. There was nothing there. It's not like there was a plate of food or anything like that. It was completely empty. But her purse was right under there. Mm-hmm. And instead of just being like, of course, these guys are like experiencing the most horrific thing in their life that's ever happened. Let me just grab my purse and we'll go stand or walk or find somewhere else to sit or oh do i do i do remember this a so little, you but... tell this because it you were the person that had the interaction it's with... very vague so i might be
0: off um on my memory because this was again five over five years ago now
1: we're not and whatnot, we don't remember but... details with everything completely Anyways, but i think you already that
0: <laughs> i like i like sat down next to my dad's family mm-hmm. um and started eating. And yeah, your mom's husband who like we had new husband, not but like not. No, I had ne- I had barely I think I met the guy one time and they'd only, I'd, been,
1: they'd only been married for like not very long because my parents got divorced when I was like 36 and I was 37 when your dad died. So, like, yeah, it's not like we knew this person very well. Right.
0: And and I I think I had met him one time and I kind of had gotten a weird, weird vibes from him and yeah. uh to say the least and mm-hmm. yeah i sat down and was talking with my dad's family and he goes and he's like oh i'm s- that's my spot and i was like what and he and he basically was like i i had saved that spot like i want to like i want to sit there and and i was just i was kind of caught off guard i was like uh i didn't realize that somebody was sitting here like there wasn't any indication or whatever and he like you know, made a big. He basically made a big deal out of it. You and know? He's like, and,
1: no, your your grandma's purse is under the table.
0: Yeah, something like, like, like that.
1: Like we're but, supposed but, to know that.
0: <laughs> and I was like, I was like, uh I didn't really know what to do because I'm I'm just like, okay, I guess I'll get
1: up and and go. But like, you also, actually. <laughs> well, I I don't. Yeah. No, you. So this is what you did. Which, for me, I think. This was very ind- indicative of, I think, the person that we raised, um, is you're a kind person, but you're not a pushover. And even at 17. And in that moment, that situation was just really inappropriate.
0: Oh, in no, I do. I, yeah, I do remember. I, I remember I kind of like told him off. I was like, OK,
1: I, I, go a, ahead. A normal person, right? A normal person in that situation would be like oh my goodness of course you guys sit here there's nowhere else to sit like you have literally just experienced the worst thing that can possibly happen to anyone it would be a non-issue a non-question a non-anything but no what you deal like what happens is and like yeah you tell them because again you're the one that had the conversation
0: yeah, so he was he was making a big deal out of it, and I don't remember exactly what I what I said to him, but I basically was like, do you not recognize that, like, my dad just died, and this is his funeral, and, like, I'm trying and to sit with his family? family? Yeah. yeah. I'm, like, trying to sit next to his family. Like, I didn't realize that you saved a spot, but also, sorry to play this card, but, like, my dad just died. <laughs> <laughs> like, and, and I don't were know saving,
1: you. you were also saving a seat for me, because it was, like, two seats, because it was... You know, again, saved by my mom's person it was him and my mom. My they were getting food and and it and it seems it's not like we're trying to be petty or anything like that, but it was just one of those moments and I think it's just that's a very, very small glimpse into the type of stuff that I've dealt with. Um very small. But but yes, that was one of those things where I was just like, seriously? Really? Well and and, I, really? and every and
0: everybody else who was sitting there kind of noticed this and I remember. They did too yeah Uh, yeah i remember it was just it was just kind of one of those moments of like who are you and why? like why are you even here like (laughs) i didn't know him he never had even met my dad uh and quite frankly like i don't think you or i really were very fond of him in general even in the few interactions we had with him and then he goes and tries to pull that stuff and it's like no like do you have no respect for the environment that you're in or what's going on or like any no social self- awareness yeah any no. awareness as to like what this situation is and uh, again on one hand it's like okay yeah i you know you could i don't know it's just, it's just it feels weird to be the one it feels weird to like point it out and be like are you serious right now like you know playing right like, have it, having to play the card of like <laughs> this is my dad's funeral And like, I'm trying to sit with his family and like my grandparents and my aunts and uncles and you who doesn't know any of them or didn't know my dad and obviously don't know who I am is like trying to make a big deal of where we're sitting at this luncheon. Like, anyway, um, the other thing, you know, kind of in the same vein of like people saying or doing things that are just weirdly like, (laughs) well, not weird, but like just almost inconsiderate you know (laughs) is i had one lady come up to me who i had never i didn't recognize i never met her um as far as i knew um but she came up to me like before i had even walked in the building and she just said and she said something along the lines of like and i remember i remember this like irked me very clearly because of all of the confusion around his death and like all of the unknown. And then, you know, kind of the things that we had been going through in the months leading up to his death. And I remember she said to me like, Hey, I just wanted to let you know that my dad died when I was 17 too. And so I know exactly, I know exactly. I know exactly what you're going through. I know exactly how you feel. And I was just like, you know, I I obviously was polite and just like, because I know what she meant. Yeah. You know, I, I know she yeah. just meant to kind of try to empathize with me and whatnot. But in the, it was also one of those things of like, you have no idea how no, I feel. You have I abs, know. like, yeah, you might have been through the same thing. But like, it is impossible to quantify or to know how somebody else feels in that situation because, um, because you're not them. You don't have that same relationship they did with their, with their loved one, you know, like like yeah. and and framing it like that you know you can say i understand what you're going through you know i went through something similar so i can empathize with you or something along those lines but just the way she worded it and ultimately i shouldn't like i i know that's not what she meant and so like i don't i don't mean any i don't mean any like i don't hold it against her as a person or anything it was just the way that she said it was just like why yeah. did you have to say it that way? Because you don't yeah. know how I feel. Yeah, like You really don't.
1: And I think to clarify for everyone who is listening or watching, we're not like picking apart people or trying to like be negative in any sort of way. I think the goal in telling this story is to give you a really raw and unfiltered look at how you feel as it's happening and the things that come up and these are all things that I'm sure that I have done and said to other mm-hmm. people as well in situations like this and I don't it comes from a good place so it's not maybe not the situation at the luncheon I mean I, that was a different situation but I it, it's not to point out and to be like oh my goodness I can't believe people were trying to comfort us cuz like that wasn't it but I think it's just also really just we want to be honest with you like these are the things that are going through our head and like what we're experiencing in that moment we recognize that the intention is good we recognize that the place it's coming from is good it's but also in that situation we're dealing with this incredible life-altering tragedy and you know we're human We're allowed to have these emotions. We're allowed to be, like, upset or annoyed or feeling however we feel.
0: Well, and that's the thing, too, is it's like, like, like I said, you know, looking back and even just, just, you know, thinking about it from a different perspective, it's like, obviously you know, I appreciate what she was trying to do. And like, I appreciate her as a person for even just coming up and trying to comfort me in any way. Like, that takes, a first of all, in that situation, that takes a lot of, like, guts, because most people, you know, would rather just ignore it or like, not bring it up, because they don't want to, they don't want to cause those types of feelings, which
1: Mm -hmm.
0: I would rather somebody come up to me and then say something that's a little bit off and me feel like, well, you could have said that better. But like, I still Very much loved and appreciated the effort. Um, Yes, more so than what she actually said. It was just—it was more so. It was more so just that moment of like, it hit wrong. Well, yeah, remembering remembering it in the moment and how I felt. Yeah, because at you know funeral, just gone through the worst week of my entire life, you know, and like I didn't know this person whatsoever, and and then. It just, yeah, it just, it landed wrong because my emotions mm-hmm. were already so yeah. on high. And then to hear, like, you know, I know everything you're going through. And I was like, you don't even know who I am. Like, you barely yeah. even know my name, let alone to know what I'm going through. It feel, it was just like, in that moment, yeah. I was, it irked me. But yeah,
1: I think that's part of the, why we're, again, it's normalizing human emotion. There's nothing wrong with the fact that that landed wrong for you. You mm-hmm. were in an emotional state where that comment wasn't going to land right. It, it doesn't matter who it was that sent it. It wasn't going to land right because of what you were dealing with. And so also, I think it's just giving ourselves or giving you people who are listening or watching permission to like just be human. Because I know for me, that's something that I've struggled with my entire life. I'm getting better at it. But I grew up in an environment where I often felt like I wasn't allowed to just be human and have normal emotions like human beings. And so I think it's important to talk about those things, not in a way to make it be like somebody did something wrong, but to be like, yeah, yeah. This is a normal human response in these situations.
0: This is this is something that happened, and mm-hmm. this is how it impacted me in that moment. Yeah, now, and like I like I said before, like you know, when you look back at some of those moments, you know, when you're not in that emotional state, which I yeah. think is part part of the biggest thing about communicating with family or friends or loved ones or whatever is it's okay to have those emotional moments. The important part is to always, if you know, is if something does upset you or if something, you know, did or lands wrong. Way, wrong. Is, yeah. Yeah. is to be able to go back when you're not in that emotional state and communicate about it of like, Hey, I know you didn't mean it this way, or, you know, I'm, ge- I'm giving you the benefit of the doubt to assume that you didn't mean it this way. But when this happened, this is how it impacted me. This is how it made mm-hmm. me feel in that moment. Yeah. Just to help. Cause that allows people to understand you better but it also allows you to understand them better and understand where they were actually coming from because most of the time we misinterpret those things you know like i
1: 90, said 99% of hurt feelings come from miscommunication it right. no i would say that majority of the time people do not have intentions to make somebody feel bad or to hurt their feelings well there are the occasional people that do this on purpose but but there but most people are not intentionally trying to do it so by going and and making that loop and closing the loop and being like this is how it landed for me and the reciprocating side of it is for the person who's getting that feedback is to be able to say i am so sorry that what i said made you feel that way that was really not my intention
0: right and then, leaving and not it at get that, defensive.
1: Well, and yeah. leaving it at that and allowing that moment for it to absorb before you jump into, like, here's what I meant or this is how I was going to say it or, like, this is what I was trying to communicate because then it sounds like you're just excusing right. the fact that the feelings were hurt. And the reality is, is whether you're right or you're wrong, if you hurt somebody's feelings, you should nobody like I don't want to hurt someone's feelings. Even if I don't feel like what I said necessarily was wrong, I don't, I'm going to feel bad for the fact that what I said hurt somebody. I don't want to Mm -hmm. hurt people. So, you know, so like, I think people sometimes think that like, it, you know, it's easy to get defensive to be like, yeah, but I wasn't technically wrong. And it's like, that's not the point. The point is if you care about me, it did hurt my feelings. I just need Mm -hmm. you to recognize that
0: it's it's a it's a it's a humility thing. It's
1: like, Mm
0: -hmm. you know, if somebody comes to me and says, hey, you did this thing and it really upset me, you know, the fact that somebody would come to me in the first place and give me the benefit of the doubt to say, you know, I don't think I don't by coming to me and saying that says that I don't think that you did this on purpose, but I still want to let you know this is how it impacted me not only gives and, me the the sat, like the the know of like okay obviously like they know that I didn't have any bad intentions or they're trying to suss that out or whatever but I then have the opportunity the invitation to come up and say you know that is not how I meant it to come across that's you know and then it opens that dialogue again for mm-hmm. a level of healing and to hopefully bring those two people closer
1: exactly
0: um, but you know it, in that event, too, you know, like even with your mom's um, h- new husband, and in that situation, I don't even know if he really recognized who I was, or <laughs>
1: probably not. Like,
0: I don't even think he really realized that, like, it was my dad's met funeral.
1: Met I was gonna say, I don't
0: even know if he's he had met you at that
1: point. I mean, it might have.
0: Like him. I said, like I said, I might have met him one time. I don't even, I don't even really know because, like, I don't really, yeah. I don't have a relationship with your mom either, um, whatsoever yeah for a lot of reasons but um you know so so even in that situation in the moment it was very upsetting because it's like do you not understand what's going on in this
1: situation but at the same time yeah I think it was upsetting and irritating also because of who it was but also Mm -hmm. I do recognize that there was a pretty good chance that he did not know who you were because yeah I don't right. I don't honestly know it you may have like met him in passing but I don't know that you actually right. because I don't I didn't have a relationship with my mom so like it's not like even I really spent time with him so right. I get the situation it's just one of those irksome things it, you know again we're talking about again our experience and the things that stood out to us and the stuff that you know mm-hmm. really kind of landed. well and again it, um, again
0: it's types. it's it's a dialogue of you know taking people through the day by day of these are, you know, these are kind of the range of emotions that that we felt in this time, and mm-hmm. that's okay, you know. Um, it doesn't necessarily mean that, you know, because you, you only ever see the world through your own worldview, right? And so,
1: yeah,
0: having um, being able to discuss like this is how I interpreted all of these events in the yeah. moment. Again, this is twenty twenty right hindsight is 2020 looking back it's like okay that stuff really wasn't probably that big of a deal but in the moment it felt like much more impactful
1: everything was super raw so like any any little thing is gonna just it's gonna be a little bit more painful well and and
0: on that same front though I think that's the, uh, that's the thing that makes people afraid to try to comfort you or to try true. to say something yes. is because they're afraid of, you know, hitting that wound and, and, and making things worse. And I think, right. you know, the thing that's important to remember about that is it's still more impactful for somebody to come up and try to say something and try mm-hmm. to be a comfort to you than it is for people to ignore you altogether. Exactly. It's, it's because- much, it's it's much worse when, you know, you see people and you hear you see them or hear them talking about you in the background and you know right. that they're discussing what just happened, yeah. you, but they don't have the guts to come up and actually yeah. say something along the lines of, hey, I'm, I, I'm sorry. And I see like I had um along those same lines, I had somebody at work the other day, um, mm-hmm. you know, that I was talking to and she had mentioned to me that she had just lost her father. um you know in 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 death and she didn't know about it until like after the funeral and after all that stuff was done oh so her family like like decided not to tell her or something along the not my business to share but um you know i just kind of told her like hey, I'm really sorry you're going through that. And she kept saying, oh, it's okay. And I'm like, but it's not okay. It's not okay yeah. that you're going through that because yeah. nobody should ever have to go through that. And yet we do. Right. And I said, you know, I kind of talked with her and I was just like, in my experience, it's much better when somebody acknowledges what you're going through and gives you some sort of some sort of validation to say like, I see what you're going through. I see you and I can validate that, like whatever it is you're going through, even though I don't know, I still see it, and yeah. I and I'm th- and I'm here in some way, even if yeah. I don't know you. I'm still here, and I still acknowledge it. Uh, versus having somebody who doesn't ever acknowledge it to your face. Yeah. You know, then then you start to feel even smaller in that period because you start. Well, to... you feel
1: you feel more isolated. It's not even smaller. You just right. feel more isolated because you're already feeling isolated. And I think mm-hmm. going back to kind of your original point is us sharing these experiences and some of the things that maybe landed wrong or hit us in the wrong vein at that moment isn't to discourage people from saying or doing anything. It really is just, again, to give you a, a, a specific, you know, like to give the specifics of like what we were feeling and dealing with as humans mm-hmm. who had just experienced this incredibly horrific thing in our lives also at the same time like you said we would much rather have had somebody come up and say something to us even if it landed wrong because in that moment, at least they recognize that you're going through something and even in that moment if it landed wrong as you come out of it you're able to go back and be like i know they at least had the the intention like the good intention Mm -hmm. was behind it and they mm-hmm. were trying to comfort us in for in this specific situation with the person who had said that to you like you said her intention was good it wasn't intended to like make you feel worse mm-hmm. it was intended to comfort you i think part of our goal in talking about this stuff too is to help people understand like what is actually comforting and what's not mm-hmm. comforting but right. we recognize that when people come up and have said these things to us that the intention was good and, and and we appreciate that stuff. We appreciate it so much. And we still to this day have appreciated all of the love and the support that we've gotten over the years. And we still continue to get today. Um, I don't think people realize how impactful that has been. And um, and so, you know, don't don't not do something because you're afraid it might not land right. Because ultimately, like, those are the things that even if they didn't land right in the moment, we still go back and go, I just am so grateful that people cared and that they were trying mm-hmm. to make us feel better. Mm-hmm. Right.
0: Well, and, and kind of like I was trying to touch on before. It's more comforting to rec- to be able to recognize that people see you and see what you're going through, even if they have no idea what it is, or, you know, they they can't really empathize or whatever. Feeling seen and heard is better than feeling ignored and isolated, even Mm -hmm. if people don't say the right thing. Yeah. And in that moment, in those moments, when you lose somebody, you need as much love and support as you can get. And though nobody can take that pain away, they can, you know, uh, a friend of mine recently said, like, they like to have people over for dinner and just be like a support system. And they're like, I can never take away what you're going through, but I can be here and I can listen to you.
1: Mm-hmm. And
0: we can have a good time together. And I can just let it's just a, an effort to say, I'm here. Mm-hmm. I'm here. And that goes much farther than actually having to do anything. You know, I had another friend of mine say, like, oh, you're, you know, um, I don't feel like I'm as good of a friend to you as you are to me. And I was like, what makes you say that? You know, like yeah. you've always been there. You've been there for me. You've helped me through things, even just by being somebody who listens to me. That's more yeah. impactful than having to do anything necessarily quantifiable. It's not quantifiable to be right. somebody who just listens and is there, yeah. you know?
1: So one of the things that's very interesting, um, about this whole process is, and we alluded to it in the introduction episode, um, that people have sort of a certain understanding of, or a perception of what they think grief is like. And they, um, also have life they have their own life that they have to live through. It's not, um, Even when they're impacted personally, like family members, et cetera, um, they still, to a certain extent, go back to their life, right? Like our lives have turned upside down because this person was an integral part of our everyday life. But um, what was so interesting is, especially in the first week, from the time that we found out that something had happened to Eric. Until the funeral, which was about a week later, there was so much support and love coming through and not like support. And love. I mean, people have supported and loved us up until this day. So I'm not talking just like, you know, that, but there was so much um, there were people around. There were people helping us. We were never we were never really left alone.
0: We were not alone. People stayed at Um, our house. People were you know helped us with our chores people yeah. coming through the house all the time just to just to see how we were doing and like As to be with do. us and then after the funeral that all it kind was, of went away like it, it still happened, happened from time to time but it was a very it was a very sharp like drop off in that it moment. was a very sharp drop off
1: which was um i mean it was understandable it's not like we expected mm-hmm. people to Completely altered their whole lives for us. Um, but but when you're used to not like all of a sudden you're when you're not having to be alone with yourself during this time where really you kind of want to avoid what's going on, and then all Mm -hmm. of a sudden all of these distractions go away. And it was pretty. It wasn't even that it went away. It was that it was like very clearly like okay, the funeral's done, done. Mm -hmm. Um. It was a very interesting experience to all of a sudden. And and again, it's not to say we didn't have support because we had amazing support and we had people in our congregation that were extremely supportive. We had family members that were extremely supportive. We had close friends that were extremely supportive. It's just that the it goes from being like a 24 seven type of support in that first week to, okay, the funeral's done. They, it should be good like and the world moves on and, and the world moves on <laughs>
0: and and the the hardest part is the world starts to move on and that's the point where now you have to start to pick up the pieces and figure out what you're doing with you know what how your life is going to look from here on out and the moment i kind of i think i touched on that in kind of in the intro episode too but the moment that every it's kind of like when you have a bunch of people at your house and you're ha you know you're having a good time yeah. and then like they, it reaches that point in the night and everybody kind of leaves and you you know you do the minnesota goodbye at least where we're from and you kind of walk them out <laughs> and like you walk them to the door and then you stand at the door for 10 minutes and talk more and then everybody it's leaves a real finally
1: thing.
0: <laughs> all right you everybody leaves finally and you shut the door and you turn around and you, and like for me you know I'm left with an empty apartment and it's like yeah. Oh, it just got real. It got real quiet all of a sudden. But yeah, that's, that's so very much, much how it felt. Right, and but it but it's so much worse because now you have to face the reality of what you're going through by yourself. Because rea- in reality, you are by yourself. Like, yeah, when you're going through the, that sort of thing, your experience with it and all of that stuff is your own, and no one else mm. can can guide you through it. They can be there as a support, but like you're really going through that sort of thing internally by yourself and you're left with your own own emotions, your own thoughts. And it's just a void.
1: And I think that's the thing we'll talk more about in general is it was very different for you and I Mm -hmm. because of the things. Well, again, because we had different relationships with your dad, but also and different losses, but also because of the things that I was dealing with with in that first year versus things that you dealt with right after it happened and so that you know things kind of drop away and you're left with your own thoughts and having to deal with things i know for me i was very much still in like that shock mode and crisis manager like and we'll talk more about it but i the stuff with the autopsy and the life insurance and like all this stuff like it was just incredibly intense and insane things that i had to deal with um and wrap up just to ensure that i was able to take care of our family Mm -hmm. after your dad died um and that we were entitled to (laughs) um so and then you you know were able to spend a little bit more time just kind of focusing on grieving and my grief really didn't hit me until a lot later which really impacted um i think our relationship on some levels because yeah it it was a very different experience for each of us so Mm um yeah so i don't know we'll get more into that stuff but uh, i think
0: one one more quick point i wanted to make that i had thought about before the episode but i never quite got there is during that luncheon too i remember i do remember the support that was there was very impactful both through the funeral and the luncheon but i had one moment during the luncheon where it all got so overwhelming Mm -hmm. where um where I I walked out and I had to go by myself and I just left and like had to walk walk by myself and I went on a walk and um and people saw me walk out and like nobody let me leave by myself. And that was as much as I wanted to go and just be alone it was so much more impactful and so much more helpful. That people just were like, no, no, we're going to be with you. And even if you don't want to talk, I'm still here. I'm still yeah. a body that is present. So you're not alone. And that was something that really stood out to me in terms of the support system we had is like, um, that's a great way to, in my opinion, support somebody is like, I think people recognize that I was overwhelmed and that I needed to, that I needed to get out of that environment. Yeah. But they still... They still realize the importance of not letting me f- isolate myself, mm-hmm. and I, you know, I think that that's an important lesson for me. You know, when I see other people going through things, mm-hmm. but just in general, like isolating is one of the easiest ways to just sit in it, and sometimes for some reason, us as humans like to just sit in the sorrow for a while. Well, and you feel sorry to. for ourselves.
1: You do need it to a certain extent to process
0: it. it yes, but sometimes it can get into a loop for people, right.
1: and that's where that should.
0: that process never ends. Yeah, and um, and it's okay to sit with your your feelings and to and to feel sorry for yourself and what you're going through, and to really just. You know, sit in the sadness for a bit. That's why we all kind of like sad songs sometimes. (laughs) When we're when we're feeling it, you want to turn on the sad songs. But but having somebody there who prevents you from actively isolating, because that's what I was doing. I was trying to isolate myself because I didn't I didn't want people to see me be vulnerable. I didn't want to be vulnerable around other people, and for people to to follow me out and to show me and to and to basically show me through their actions that hey it's okay if you're vulnerable i'm here i'm not judging you i just want you to know that you are cared for and that right. is huge for somebody going through something like that yeah yeah but anyway i think we do need to wrap this up um and you know in the next next episode i think uh the goal is to talk about my dad and what we loved about him and, and give you guys a little bit more perspective into what this amazing person was like and what what he ended up going through prior to um, his death.
1: I, I think, yeah, what we're gonna talk about next is really gonna give you the context to the mystery that and the things that we were a little bit concerned about or the things that we were speculating about in terms of his death. Um, and actually, you know, um, really contributed to a lot of things that have happened afterwards, um, since his death. So, um, yeah, so we'll talk to you guys next time. Hey, you know
0: how this works. If you like this episode or just like us in general, you can find us at It's Going Podcast on all the things.
1: Don't forget to check out the links in the description. And thanks for hanging out with us.